Melissa Lockard with Steve Berman from the Steamheads, a show about the Oakland A's. Well, in about the less time than it would take you to queue up your favorite Netflix show, the A's dispatched of the Astros in two hours and 18 minutes in what was the fourth win in a five-game series that kind of had the Astros looking like a team that was headed for other things rather than the postseason. And the A's, while they didn't necessarily wow you with what they were doing on the field, were just you know, pretty mechanical about dispatching what has been probably the best American League team in, in, you know, the last three or four years. It has left them with a, you know, 10-game magic number for the division title, a pretty much all but assured spot in the postseason. And yet, I don't know, where do you think they are at this point, Steve? It's, it's kind of an interesting point where you've got the pitching staff is pitching well, but none of the pitchers are like, you know, Jacob deGrom or Justin Verlander of old or anything like that. The hitting seems to only come to life at the end of games, and yet it's enough to win. So, you know, you'll take that. They've had some injuries. They've been able to fill in for them. Hopefully those guys will be back before a postseason would take place. But where are you feeling that they're standing right now, Steve? It's interesting. You look at uh, what people are saying online, and we are, it's our job to do so. So we kind of hyper-focus on that and probably take a little bit of that too much into account. But we, of course, we love our commenters and everyone on Twitter. And so, you know, it, it seems like, you know, I noticed that, and we spoke about this a little bit before we start recording, you know, it's a damaged fan base for obvious reason. The postseason has not been kind to the A's over the last two decades. And so many heartbreaking defeats early on in the postseason, wildcard round, you have your ALDS situations that they've lost in five games. We don't have to rehash all of that, but the A's people are sort of not quite willing yet to look and say, hey, this is obviously one of the best teams of baseball, one of the best records. They've been good all season long. They're a very balanced team. It's clearly a team that's going to have to win on pitching and defense. And the only way that I see this kind of coming apart is if they have to start playing from behind, if their starters give up multiple runs in the first few innings. So I don't really see this offense as being one that can really put together a lot of rallies. That could obviously change. Guys could get hot going into the postseason. You don't know. But with with Chapman hurt right now, you know, you hope that he can get better. And I think in this case, to me, it seems like this is something that he's been dealing with all season. I've thought that his defense, especially his throwing, has just been off ever since the first week of the year. I've seen him uncork some weird throws that you just never see. And and I think this explains it. And he said it actually was it was hurting him more in the defensive end. And then when he started striking out, I think it probably came to a head. And they were like, all right, we got to get you out. But I think the offense is a little bit worrisome. I think Listella is a great, great addition, and he can definitely help. And I think Loriano is going to pick it up at some point. Simeon hopefully can get back into it and get healthy, feel good. But it's going to be pitching a defense, and that is actually something that you think of the you know a team like the Giants in the early 2010s. That's how they won their championships. Nowadays, it's a little bit different in baseball. There's teams that could just hit the ball like crazy. The A's have a lot of power, but they also have a lot of strikeouts, and a lot of times their offense just goes cold for several innings. You just kind of look at it and go, okay, I there's an opening here for this team to have a great postseason run if everything falls into place. But you don't look at them and say it's a juggernaut. As Alex Coffey wrote the other day, Bob Melvin said, we do just enough to win. And that actually can really work well in the playoffs if you're a team that grinds and plays well in the clutch. And they played a lot of tight games, which I think is good practice. 
but it's also a situation where they're not a team that's just blowing teams out all the time. And with that going on, you wonder if some of their weaknesses could pop up in the postseason. Yeah, you know, you say that about a damaged fan base, and I was kind of thinking today, and it's sort of in correlation with the fact that the Giants let uh, Pablo Sandoval go, is that, you know, of all the fan bases that deserve a 2010 or 2012 or even 2014 run like the Giants had, where you look at the team coming into the postseason, you think, yeah, you know, if everything goes right, maybe they can compete, but they were never the favorite. You know, this ace team certainly deserves that. And and there are a lot, I think, uh, similarities between some of those teams. I, you don't necessarily have a Madison Baumgartner or, uh, you know, a Tim, Tim Lincecum, but you have a lot of guys with that level of talent who can kind of turn it on. And then a lot of grinder types like Mark Hanna, who can sort of maybe, you know, be your surprising postseason hero that you wouldn't have necessarily thought of. You know, so maybe in this crazy, crazy year where, you know, the sky is orange and ash is falling like snow and we're all inside with masks, this will finally be the year that, like, they get some of that, you know, even year luck or whatever it is coming across the bay. But um, it is just enough to win. And maybe that's sort of the trepidation of all of it. On the flip side of it, if you look at their, you know, expected record, they're only one game ahead of what their expected record would be. You know, it seems like they win a lot of tight games, which is true, but they haven't necessarily been lucky in the sense of winning a lot of games, but really not, you know, outscoring their opponents. I mean, they've really kept themselves playing at the level that you would expect this record at. It isn't necessarily that they're the, you know, 1929 Yankees offensively, but certainly when you look at their lineup, it is a lineup that is capable of all coming together and being quite effective in a short run. And that maybe this is a blessing in disguise in some sense that they've now built this bigger lead and there probably isn't a whole lot of urgency for Matt Chapman to rush back onto the field. And if these extra few days of him slowly building himself back up can give him the opportunity to get back to who he normally is, you know, that could be the difference between a quick first round exit and, and making a really deep run into the postseason. I think maybe even the same for Stephen Piscotti and, you know, getting a cortisone shot now. Maybe he comes back this weekend, maybe he comes back early next week. But the fact that that can be taken care of and know that you've got guys that can fill in, you know, gives him a much greater opportunity to be good come postseason. I agree. I, I like a lot of the guys actually as potential postseason hitters. Canna, you mentioned earlier, a guy who seems like every one of his at bats goes at least nine pitches. That's perfect. Piscotti actually is a guy too who sort of has a similar kind of approach to the plate. Uh, he's a guy who can handle elite pitching. Ramon Laureano has been cold lately, but he's a guy who's fearless, who uh, which I like in the postseason. You can't have guys who are afraid of the moment. That's why I thought that when they lost Cespedes, that was a huge key for them back when they trade, made that trade because Cespedes was the one guy with swagger in that lineup, and you kind of need that against the absolute best pitchers in baseball. You know, it's sort of an intangible kind of thing. Another intangible kind of thing I like is that even though the A's fan base might be a little bit tortured for totally understandable reasons, the team doesn't seem to feel that way. They don't seem to be like, oh, we're snake bit. What's going to happen next to us? That's bad. They've been able to weather this crazy week and it really pull out of it quite nicely. It, it could have been a total nosedive. And this series against the Astros was fantastic. And then you had the Astros on the other side. It was funny. Brian McTaggart, uh, Astros beat writer, tweeted out that Josh Reddick said after the series uh, defeat said, it's heartbreaking. Nothing has been going our way. Everything is going the other guy's way. And to me, I just laughed. 
draft, I was like, oh, the poor Astros, you know, will they ever catch a break? Because, I mean, come on, like, no one's going to listen to that team and say, oh, yeah, you're right. You guys really do have have had a, a tough row to hoe here. The A's, on the other hand, have had a very difficult go of it in terms of a lot of things, from their stadium to their wildcard defeats to the payroll to just, you know, this fact that everything seemed to be coming together for 2020 and then COVID occurs. And then you also, just to piggyback off what you were saying about Bumgarner and Linscombe, you know, no one knew what either one of those guys would do in the postseason in 2010. And Lizardo, I think, while he definitely, I think, kind of chews too much of the plate sometimes, and that's why he gets hit with the long ball, he seems like he's learning a little bit more. You could see it. And he's obviously got the stuff. He might have some of the best stuff in the entire majors. And he's gonna, you know, he's gonna be great for a long time, injury permitting. But he also seems like he's learning a little bit more of how to use it and not to get beat. And every once in a while, you know, Yuri Gurriel just kind of has his number, and he's just a really good hitter. But I think Lazard is a guy who, he maybe when the postseason comes around in a few weeks, he's a guy who can explode onto the scene and do what we kind of all expected to see when he started pitching last year for the A's and actually had three scoreless innings in the playoffs. So you look and say, Is the future go, yeah. Could be brighter than it is this year. Yeah, no, I agree, and I had to laugh. I saw that that quote from Reddick as well, and I, I kind of in, in talking to your your point about attitude. I mean, you know, he was a part of those teams that really had the big postseason heartbreaks. I mean, I think. You know, the last two seasons, they're one game wild cards. I, I don't know that you can read as much into those games because it is so quick. But those five game series that they had in, in 2012 and 2013, they had every opportunity to win those series. And, and, and some things went against them. And it did seem at times that maybe they couldn't really push through that. And maybe this is a, a different group that is, you know, not to put it all on Josh Reddick. I think he has, you know, a lot of passion. And I do have to say, of all the hitters in that lineup, he was the one that was really giving some good at bats everybody else looked like they were ready to hop on that plane and go home but uh, you know I mean it was amazing you know here's a team that this is literally their last opportunity to actually take control of a race and try to get themselves back in it and they almost looked disinterested to be there which was kind of hard to believe they've been to World Series they've won them and stuff but you would think the redemption quality of being able to come out and win a World Series after all the things that went on in the offseason would have been pulling on them but they really didn't look all that interested in it now that could change I mean I think we've said that about a few other teams the A's have faced so far this year and then they've gone off and run off like 10 straight wins afterwards so who knows and we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsor talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like I lost my mojo or avoid it altogether with excuses like I had a long day at work or sorry honey I'm just not feeling it or Gosh, you know, I haven't seen the sun in five days. With all the smoke in the air, I think that uh, my lungs won't allow me to perform. But uh, with Roman, it's easy to talk about it. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it is simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com Seamheads and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to Roman.com Seamheads today. 
If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash Seamheads. GetRoman.com slash Seamheads. There is something to be said about, you know, the fact that in some of those five-game series in the past, they would get some umpire calls that went against them, and it would really eat at them. And you would just sort of see that, you know, Verlander was getting every corner and every up and every down, and they were just never going to be able to push through that. But you look at this season and replay calls going against them and everything else that you just uh, detailed, and you're right. The guys seem like, okay, well, you know, that's annoying, (laughs) but we're going to keep going and and push through it. And, And maybe that's the attitude that you need to take. You know, one of the other things I thought was really interesting, too, was there is a sense that they can't hit in kind of situational hitting. And we've talked about runners on uh, third with less than two out situations during the year. But when I was looking it up yesterday, you know, and looking at their clutch stats on on uh, baseball reference, and by far their best hitting situation in any case, I mean, base is clear, base is empty, or, you know, runner on first, one out, two out, three outs, whatever. Their number one hitting category is runners in scoring position with two outs. And they have an eight 74 OPS in that situation, which explains why they've been able to have a lot of these late game comebacks and why they've just been able to do enough to win. And, you know, that in and of itself is a huge mental fortitude situation, you know, not trying to do too much in that situation. And, you know, maybe that's something that points to to better things come the postseason. I agree. And I've actually never really bought into the whole situational hitting as being their biggest issue, really. I, I, I think for fan bases, it often, if you're a football team, if you're a football fan, it seems like everyone always wants the team to throw more screen passes, no matter what. And they always want the clock management to be absolutely perfect. And those are the things that fans seize on. Baseball fans, it's if there's a guy on base and he doesn't score, it's like, oh my God, we're the only team that has not knocked in guys on base with uh, less than two outs or with two outs or bases loaded situation. And I mean, it, every fan base has these complaints about it. And not every team is as bad as people think. I think the A's are actually fine in that. And I think you just mentioned those numbers that bear it out. That's not really, I think, a worry to me. It, it, I I really think that the A's attitude and, and you're a lot of those calls, and that's really all we have to go by is either seeing them on the field, you know, when we've attended games and you see that the way they interact with each other in the dugout and that sort of auxiliary seating next to the dugout where the starting pitchers are and over the bullpen as well. It's a very light but business-like mood. I think that it's a very steady team that can handle whatever happens. And I think the Astros, you mentioned the way that they wanted to get back on their flight. I think that at this point now, it's pretty clear that the Astros are talented enough so that they're second place in the AL West and have put together you know a couple winning streaks this season. But you know, with the sign stealing scandal. And then COVID, and then they, and then you know injuries to position players. Sure, I think there's a lot that's happened, but I think when they realized that Verlander probably wasn't coming back after losing Cole in the off season, I don't know. I, I have a feeling that I mean, who knows? Maybe the Astros roar back. I mean, Dusty Baker is a really good motivator, but you know, I don't really know if there's going to be a situation where the Astros really feel like this is their year. And when the A's started winning these close games during this you know, five-game series, you lose four out of five to the team that's ahead of you in the standings. That's pretty disheartening. Maybe the Astros at this point, we'll see. Do they just crater the rest of the way? I mean, they have a postseason berth right there in front of them if they want it, and anything can happen. But I do think they might be looking at what's happened this year and say, okay, 2020, let's just fast forward and get to 2021. 
certainly could look that way. And, and the Mariners are that object in their rearview mirror that is closer than it appears because oddly enough, except against the Giants this week, you know, they've been playing some of the best baseball in, in the league and uh, almost since they, you know, made all those trades to the, to the Padres. So it would be kind of an amazing thing to see them sneak into the postseason after they basically, I mean, I don't want to say white flag, they were never expected to con- contend or anything, but they made the deals you would expect a team who's not going to contend to make. And they've been, you know, a hundred times better since making them, which is a really hard thing to have predicted. But um, it's kind of a fun sort of afternote. And the A's will have a lot to do with whether the Mariners make it to the postseason or not, since they face them, you know, a couple of times here at the tail end of the season. So, um, you know, that's certainly a storyline to keep following. And, you know, I think the other thing, too, with this postseason that's so weird is there's usually was a point during an A's regular season where they would face up against a team that you'd expect to see in the postseason and then you know a three-game series against the Yankees or a three-game series against Cleveland and they would take two of three or sweep or something and you'd say wow this is a team that's really going to do well in the postseason and then it just wouldn't look the same when it got to that matchup we have none of those matchups to even look at this year which is such a weird thing you know it is a lot more like college football where you have a situation where you've got a team might be 10 and 2 and you know the Big 10 is only as good as you expect the Big 10 to be and you don't know what happens when they go and face an SEC team and that's really one of the things that's going to be completely hard to predict about this year's postseason is that there's no frame of reference for any of these matchups really i guess there'd be a chance that they you know A's could end up facing the Astros or whoever finishes second at some point during the postseason. But otherwise, it's going to be a team they haven't seen yet. And so that's going to be really crazy. You know, it, it, right now, I think it lines up with them playing the Twins and Josh Donaldson. And, and you know, that's a lineup that was expected to be the best in all of baseball. And they've been struggling a little bit. But, you know, what an odd matchup that would be, never having seen that lineup in that current formation with Josh Donaldson part of it at any point this season, not even spring training because they they are out in Florida. So I don't even know how you would even bet on something like that, you know, not that I am good at betting at all anyway, but I, I, you know, I don't even know how you would figure out what you would base it on because these teams are just, there's no history at all between any of them and how they match up. One, though, is going to be fun is when they go face the Dodgers in L.A. Because, yes, you're right. I mean, I think it was a great comparison with college football where you're just like in your own little bubble and you have no idea, you know, what what your conference really means. You know, in the Big 12, yeah, you're great. You're 11-1, but you don't play any defense in the Big 12. The ALS, I'm not really sure at this point because I think the Astros probably aren't as good as they would have been norm- in a normal situation if Verlander stayed healthy and they didn't have all this crazy stuff happen to them. But right now, the three hottest teams in baseball, arguably, are in the NL West, and they already played the Padres, and that was pretty difficult, as difficult as you would expect. They faced the Giants at home for a three-game series, which is going to be really entertaining with the way the Giants have suddenly come on. And then they go to LA and face the Dodgers, and the Padres, Giants, and Dodgers are playing really, really well right now. So those are good. And also, you know, facing the Mariners, too, are playing pretty well. So it's, as you mentioned, so it's, I think that actually it's going to be a nice little test going into the postseason for them, not a situation where, you know, you're just going to kind of cruise through. I mean, the A's are going to still want to probably play the positioning game to a certain extent, uh, even though home field really is kind of moot at this point. But it's going to be interesting to see how they match up against the Giants, Dodgers, and Mariners that last week and a half of the season. And yeah, I can't wait for that Giants-A series now because 
that you know when they faced the when the A's and Giants played before, actually the Giants seemed to outplay them a little bit and then just absolutely imploded in all of those games until the A's just obliterated them on that Sunday game. And it was one of the craziest things I've ever seen in person, just the way the A's are playing batting practice against the Giants pitching. And now the Giants are like a completely different ball club after making no changes in the deadline whatsoever. So that's going to be fun. I mean, it's just going to be a really interesting time for the A's. I hope Matt Chapman's able to come back soon just because he's just the sort of the emotional force and leader of that team. And obviously, in my opinion, the best third baseman in, in the world. And I just hope that he's able to come back at full strength because this is a team, the A's, even though there's no fans in the ballpark, it still would be pretty sweet to see them go far in the postseason. And I do think that they have the capability to do so. I would just like to see the starting pitching pitch the way they did against the Astros and not the way they did against the Padres and the offense to sort of kind of pick it up and get some momentum going into the postseason. The rotation, at least, is starting to round into a more reasonable midseason shape than it was earlier in the year. You're seeing the eyes work deeper into games, which I think bodes well. And, you know, heading into this series against the Rangers, it's obviously a very different looking team than the one that they faced the last time they were in Texas. Rangers made some deals. That no more Todd Frazier to show up and, and destroy your team in the middle of a game like he always seems to do. Mike Miner's obviously going to be pitching against the Rangers as opposed to for them. And no more Robinson Torinos, who also seemed to be one of those guys that just randomly would get big hits when you wouldn't expect it. So I expect it to be a fairly competitive series, even though the Rangers have been not playing well of late. Their home record is actually pretty good and their away record is, is atrocious. So yeah, I saw that in your article today. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, I, I couldn't even, I thought that was for sure a typo, but four and 18 on the road is, is uh, something, <laughs> you know, the Sixers are the same way. They would, yeah, that's, it's, especially with no fans, it's kind of funny to be that bad on the road, but hey, maybe they just really don't like each other and the hotel situation's bad this year. Yeah, I don't know. Or maybe the cooking at Globe Life Part 2 or I don't know, like Bush Stadium is on Bush Stadium 3 or 4 or 7. I don't know if Globe Life Field is going to have little Roman numerals after it. But, you know, maybe the kitchen there is just a lot better than it is elsewhere. Good barbecue, Tex-Mex, you know, who knows? The postseason might end up being there, so you know, it, I guess uh, teams can get comfortable. That, that's another funny thing, too, is that we won't even know what the park factors are going to be if they end up in these bubbles. Could be stadiums that you know the A's haven't even played in yet this year, so it'll be interesting. But I think it's going to be you know an, a good test for them. I don't think they got so emotionally high in this Astros series that it's going to be a come down to go face the Rangers, but I do think it is certainly a test of, you know, kind of, mental strength to, to leave home and then go and play a four-game series after you just played a five-game series in, in four days to go play four games in three days. So it should be an interesting series, and we'll be back to talk about it early next week. And thanks so much for listening. We'll be back again after this weekend's games.